Welcome to Bar Fights with attorney and advocate Sarah Klein. Taking on issues that matter and advocating for legal, cultural, and political change everywhere in order to protect children and vulnerable adults. Joining the conversation are survivors, advocates, lawyers, media personalities, athletes, celebrities, authors, wellness aficionados, and many more. Because bringing real justice takes a team of experts who care. Now, leading the fight is your host, Sarah Klein. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Bar Fights. This is your host, Sarah Klein. I am a sexual abuse attorney at the nation's leading law firm, Manly Stewart and Finaldi. I'm an advocate and I'm a survivor of child and adult sexual abuse. So, you guys, we are up to episode seven, and I am so blown away at how much fun this has been. Talk about diving into the deep end of the pool without a flotation device and just going for it, trying something new. It's been so much fun, and I've gotten to talk to so many amazing people, and the feedback has been just awesome. And I've said on every episode, my goal with this show is to do two things, to inform and to inspire. And I think so far we have knocked it out of the park with those two things. And so everyone I've had on this show so far, I've known personally. So Jamie Dancher, Olympian, one of my best friends, Catherine Schwarzenegger. I did a book with her. I was in her book. I didn't write it, but I got to know her. She was wonderful. Um, Everybody I've known personally. So today is brand new. We're having someone on the show. It's super special to me. I've never met her, but strangely feel like I know her. I watched this four-part documentary that she executive produced called Seduced Inside the Nexium Cult, and it was on the Stars Network. And I read her memoir called Still Learning, and that documents her seven-year experience and her escape from this toxic cult called Nexium. And what struck me most about this beautiful soul is that what I went through with 17 years of abuse is nothing like what she went through, but there are some real thematic similarities. And namely, the idea that this would never happen to me. Um, how could you not know? Those are questions I still to this day get asked all the time. And I answer them all the time. And I have said in so many interviews, I equate what I went through to being in a cult. I just said that in an interview the other day. And, and I explained to people that it doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time. And you can be a sound, smart, intelligent adult with real wherewithal, and you can still find yourself in these situations. And I've said a thousand times, I was 25 years old. I was an Ivy league graduate. I was starting my first year of law school and I was still going back to Larry Nassar to be sexually abused. And I would have told you on my life, this man loves me. He cares about me. He would never hurt me. He is the best. And what he is doing is medical treatment. And so as I'm watching our guest today, India Oxenberg, go through her journey and her process, there was so much going on for me of if India could go through this and I feel less alone and I feel less duped and I feel less stupid. Um, and that is what I want you guys to know today. My intention for this show is to understand that what happened to India could literally have happened to any one of us. And I believe 
with my whole heart that this beautiful human that we're going to be talking to today is really going to provide us with some awesome aha moments. And I truly consider this person who is no longer a stranger as of right now, a sister survivor, right? She is somebody that we are in the same army of survivors, a family we never dreamed of being a part of a family we never asked to be a part of. Um, We never could have imagined this would be our life, our trajectory, whatever. But here we find ourselves. And something I love about her that is also sort of my mission in life is we are going to shout from the rooftops as much as possible in order to ensure that this not happen again. And in order to keep other people safe as much as we possibly can by sharing sort of the hell that we went through. So I know that this doing interviews like this can personally take a huge toll on us. Trust me, I've, I've gone through that myself and sharing the most intimate details of our lives. It's not something people ever really have to do and, and we're doing it. And so I want to just commend you. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here. And I want to welcome you to the show with love and with support. India Oxenberg, welcome to the show. Wow. Thank you so much for having me. That was probably one of the most beautiful intros I've ever had. And I was literally had to mute myself or else you would have heard me crying. Oh. Oh. <laughs> um, but that was, that was so kind and, and so truthful. And I, I, I feel similar. I have been blown away by how just transformative it's been to really connect with other survivors. I never knew really like the, the the nature of survivorship, but it is so powerful and it is so healing by proxy that I, as much as I feel like reluctant at times to just jump in and go back in time and, and relive Nexium, I really do see an incredible amount of value in just speaking about these issues and speaking about them with people who really understand why we talk about them because we don't talk about them for fun. No, <laughs> it is so not other- fun. <laughs> yeah, and there are so many other ways and things that we could be spending our time doing that really like when you choose to go back and relive this or just even talk about the the nuances or the learnings, it's for a reason. And that reason has to do with my own and your own healing too. And, and I think that that's just really brave and I think the more that we talk about these things and, and make them more mainstream in doing so, the, yes. the, le- the less likely maybe the next generation will be as susceptible. That's really what I believe. And I know that this is something that whether it's human trafficking or sexual abuse of minors or adults, it is never going to go away completely. I, I know that. I'm, I'm realistic about that. But I do think that the more that we shine a light on the actual predators and expose them and take away their protection, which is silencing people, the less power that they have. And yeah. so that's like my whole, my, my whole focus is just, okay, it's your job to tell the truth. It's your job to tell the truth about what happened. And in doing so, you're exposing the lies. And that's kind of like how I rationalize it for myself. And that kind of keeps me going, especially when there's times where I'm like, why the fuck am I talking about this again? This is not how I want to spend my time. I'd rather be on my honeymoon in a, you know, in a foreign country on the beach. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. And instead it's a Tuesday morning and we're drinking coffee together and we are revisiting some of the most horrific memories in our psyches, but we're using it for good. We're doing our duty. And at the end of the day, I ask myself, I have two little girls and I, and I think about what is my legacy going to be not in the public eye, but in their eyes, how are they going to have viewed their mother? And, you know, if you ask my five-year-old, what does mommy do for a living? She says, my mommy keeps children safe. She has no idea what that means. She has no idea how, um, but you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, if I, I feel like if I don't don't do it. Who's going to? And I have 
the wherewithal in the, in the support system, great therapists and trauma therapists and all the tools to get through talking about this a lot. And so, you know, like you said, we pick and choose who we do it with and when it serves us and when it doesn't, and it's okay for both of us to say no, we're both learning that big learning curve. My, my, I was just with my mom yesterday and she was like, it's such a good thing to, for people pleasers to start really learning their nose. And oh. I was like, it's like really true. It's so true because it's like, without it, we just don't know who we are and we don't know our boundaries. And then you're, you know, forever in the service of someone else. And then you feel vacant in your side and you're like, why do I yes. not, who the hell am I? Yes. Because you've spent so much time, you know, giving or thinking that your needs were you know, one below the rest of humanity, which is totally bullshit, but it is some like kind of deep belief that I, I realized that I had. And I do believe like what you said in the beginning in your intro that anyone can be susceptible to a predator, to a manipulator, to being fooled, to being conned, whatever varying degree that is. I do think all people are inherently susceptible because we all have vulnerabilities, but I do think that there is something to trauma that makes you more susceptible to these types of people because that those are blind spots in your own development. And I see that for myself, like what I, and I don't like, you know, placing blame on your childhood or your parents solely, because I think that's like the easiest cop out in the world. Like you have to take some responsibility for who you are and how you got to where you are, else you'll never be able to resolve it. You'll always be like throwing it on your mom and dad, which is (laughs) like to a certain point. And so I've recently been just thinking a lot about like, what is it in my own development that maybe made me more blind to like, a seduction like a Keith Ranieri or a Nexium yes. or and, and and to be honest because you, you did read my book that that's not the only time that I've you know come across these types of people I have come oh. across them many times and it wasn't until um I was actually in Nexium that I was systematically broken down to a point where I really almost lost myself entirely yep and and so that's that's a process like you said it does not happen overnight it happens over time it just happened to be that i was in a a group environment that facilitated that yeah more so than but this can happen in a family this can happen in a one-on-one abusive relationship it is a it's not a unique strategy it's something that they all sort of use but it is, um, it's really difficult to see if you've been conditioned to believe that that is how you should be treated or that is familiar to you because yes. of how you were raised. So yeah, and I, do like, I, I like to talk about that stuff because I want people to know that that's, that is an area of, of shame that I've had to like, you know, wash out and really look at, yep. but that it, is, it isn't something to be, you know, brushed over either. Yep. I completely agree. And one thing that I've had to work on in therapy a lot is there can be some good to something and some evil, and they can coexist at the same time. You can truly love someone and that says something about you. And then they can also be harming you and that can coexist. And I, when I watched the, the documentary, there were parts where I'm like, that looks super fun and really supportive. And how great would it be to have people that you feel truly get you and understand you. And another thing, what you just said that struck me, yes, there were those blind spots and vulnerabilities in the psyche. Yes. But something that struck me about you was that you were hopeful. You were wide eyed. You wanted to see the good in the world. And, and I, that resonated with me a lot. It wasn't that you were so broken and found yourself in this situation is that part of me thought this person's so good. And, and so looking for the best in humanity and wants to do better and your desire to continue to grow as a human being and to be a good person and to do work that matters in the world, that in a way also led you 
I think into, into this, into this group. Absolutely. Cause that was really a lot of what on, you know, on the surface level, the consumer front product that they were selling was that they, it wasn't only personal growth. It was a community. It was a group of people who really wanted to see change start from them, from the inside out. And I was like, well, that makes sense to me. I mean, I I was very hopeful and I was optimistic that maybe that what they were saying, what they were practicing, they were preaching and that, that it was real and it wasn't um, a sham, which ultimately, ultimately it was, but, but it wasn't all bad is a weird thing to say because there are so many bad things that I just didn't want to see and couldn't see at the time and was being told were the opposite of what they really were, which is a really confusing kind of gaslighting process to the point where you end up doing that to yourself. Yeah. You're, you're now so disconnected from your own feelings about things that you're rationalizing abuse or you're you just making justifications for your abuser or for the system. And yeah. so like I spent many, many years doing that because it was too hard for me to maybe confront the reality of what it was. Yeah. And, and I can only say that now looking back, I had to do a lot of things inside my mind to be okay with the situation that I was in. Yeah. Um, and the psyche is so trail myself, your psyche. I have learned to through my trauma therapy, that your psyche is always trying to do its job, which is to protect you. So in a way you can't blame your psyche for shoving those red flags kind of down and looking the other way. Cause in a way it was trying to do its job. But right with that comes, you know, hello, you know, the, the, the inability to see the red flags. Right. And, and I know, to get even deeper in, it's so weird. Cause you think that, yeah. but then if you understand like human nature, we're not going to want to just dive into the most uncomfortable awful feelings of our lives like it's yeah. like oh great grief here we go We're perfect going, that sounds fun <laughs> no you're going to do everything you can to try and avoid that discomfort yeah to the point where you betray yourself yeah and, and and that's something that like I that I've only recently really come to terms with is that the betrayal really came from me in a lot yeah. of ways, it, yeah. it, but I, I can't blame myself for that. It oh. was like, it, I'm the kind of person that believe, like spiritually, I believe in karma. I believe in things that things happen for a reason that gives me a lot of peace to think yeah. that way, yeah. that, that, that nothing is for nothing. Yeah. And that there's a learning to be had, whether it was like positive or negative, it's a learning. And so that's how I like to look at my experience in Nexium because then it's not for nothing. Yep. And that the, the things that I went through and, and the things that I chose to do mat, like have meaning. Matter. Right. They matter. But yes. I, I and I and I actually have gotten a lot of healing and just thinking that way. And especially when I felt like really low. Because <laughs> yeah. you have to remind yourself like, okay, I am not the same person I was prior to this. I have significantly changed. I now think for the better, but there was a time where I was like, am I ever going to be myself again? Am I ever yeah. going to feel like me again? Am I going to be able to repair my brain? Am I going to feel happy again? Like mm-hmm. you really don't know uh, when you're going through something, especially if you have like complex PTSD and things like that, because you've never done it before. And so you're, you're kind of like, at least I know for myself, like creating my own roadmap out of a hell yeah. into what I want my life to be. And it, it seems so silly as like a 30 year old to be like, I have to assert myself on a daily basis. Like, this is what I want. This is what I want to eat. This is where I want to go. This is what I want to do. But I do. 
And I don't know if like you can relate to that, but yes, I, I feel yes. like I'm constantly having to remind myself of this. <laughs> yes. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, and you know this, I'm sure the human brain is not fully formed until you're 25 years old. You were 19 years old. You hadn't fully even developed a sense of self before you were in the cult telling you how to think, how to feel, who you were, what to eat. Right. And so, you know, I look at my, I was a child, what to believe. I was eight when my abuse started and then I'm 36 years old. You're 30. I'm a ding dong. I was 36 before it even registered with me that what had happened wasn't love. I mean, it took me, it took me decades to understand. Um, and, and that's, that's again, that, that human brain, you know, I always say, people say, now you have your voice back. And what I say is I never had a voice to begin with. I, I never, he had developed that. If you would have asked me, what do you like? What do you don't like? We weren't allowed to speak. We weren't allowed to have an opinion. You know, we were told that our physical pain and broken bones was bullshit. Get the fuck back on the bars and do another five routines. Right. Right? And so, it's so inhumane, inhumane, but you don't know it does. I totally resonates with me when you're like, well, what do I want? Because you never, your brain never even formed before whatever sense of self you could have developed was taken away from you. So when it comes to like guilt and blaming ourselves and whatever, I'm like, fuck that. I never <laughs> even was a person before you took the person away. Okay. So yeah. now I'm putting the pieces back together totally. leave me alone and let me figure it out. <laughs> Get off my back. Let yeah. me do this on my own terms. I'm figuring shit out. No, yes. I don't want that. Yes. I want that. Yes. Sometimes, sometimes I feel like my no is like this crazy five-year-old that's just like no (laughs) and 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 it's kind of irrational but then so I'm like okay maybe I needed to do that just so that I can feel I feel like I can assert myself like sometimes and then sometimes my my new technique is if someone asks me if I want to do something I now have to just say like you know let me get back to you on that because take a need, take a beat take time. a minute take a breath yes. right I'm like I need time to figure out what I want and not just like impulsively react to are you going to be happy with the decision that I make or not because I'm terrified of upsetting you no yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> flush that idea that. down the toilet right flush that right down the toilet so uh, everybody I'm sure has seen something about your story in the media. Your mom, Catherine Oxenberg, she's very high profile. She's gorgeous. She's the superstar actress. She did a lot of media around the story. You've done a lot of media. We've read about it in the New York Times. For the listeners that haven't followed it as obsessively as I have, um, <laughs> give us just a short, you don't have to go too deep into it, but a short overview of kind of what, Nexium is and yeah. how Nexium turned into DOS. And again, you don't have to go into too yeah. much detail because I really want to talk about sort of the themes that we can pull from it, sort of the themes of a high control environment that our listeners can learn about in terms of not finding themselves in these situations or parents l- learning about kind of what to look for. Um, so right. give us just a little, a little overview of what this all was. Sure. Okay, so um, Nexium in itself was sort of the overarching um, parent company of a lot of other sub companies, ultimately all created by Keith Ranieri and his, you know, I guess you could call them inner circle, devotee, whatever you want, whatever you want to call them. It's all kind of the same stuff, followers. And what he did was he created some consumer front products that looked really legitimate. And those were sort of his way of recruiting high functioning people into his, ultimately his cult. People who went to Harvard, people who were this and that, these aren't, we're not preying on the vulnerable. We're pulling from the top, the creme de la creme. Or at Um, least attempting to. Attempting to. Attempting to to pull from, you know, people with influence, people with a lot of resources, people who are intelligent, people who are idealistic, 
lots of there were lots of attributes that were actually quite similar between all of the people that were recruited those that stayed and became um more of the people that ran the companies were mostly considered coaches or also proctors and proctors were kind of like a professional coach that was now you know i'm doing air quotes here but being paid by the company to run certain things where really a majority of the workforce were unpaid. So it was your sweat equity. (laughs) I'm laughing about that, but that, you know, you were supposed to ultimately get back from the company, but that's not how it worked. It was really quite a process of you giving and it looking like a mentorship externally when really you weren't going anywhere because there was no actual measuring system in the company. It was all arbitrary and based on what the people in the positions of leadership wanted you to believe and achieve. So it was rigged. And you don't know that when you're actually going through as a, as a coach or as a student. And so Nexium then um, had been around for several, several years, even before, like a decade, even before I was involved in the early 2000s, I I didn't come in until about 2011. And they had already had thousands of students take their courses. ESP was one of those consumer front products, which was executive success programs. And that was kind of their intro into a personal growth program. That's the one that I was recruited into initially with my mom. And we both started off as students. I was then targeted to become a coach. And it's funny because like I grew up in Los Angeles where you're, it's like the Mecca of, you know, self-help and personal yeah. growth. And so there was a lot of shit that I had seen since I was a little kid that I was like, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. But there was <laughs> something about the way that they pitched this that really got to me and like struck a core. And it was that they were saying that what they had was a measurable and scientific way of undoing kind of deep rooted fears that were stopping you from achieving your full potential. And that's exactly how I felt at 19 years old. I was lost. I felt like I needed direction. I felt like I needed structure. I am really dyslexic. So traditional education was always an area of insecurity for me. And I was looking for something alternative. And something that could help me build myself so that I could then maybe have my own little company or something like that. But I knew that I needed something. And then when they pitched this to me, I thought, wow, that might be the very thing that I need. And and so innocently, I go into this thinking that I'm you know, just going to take a course or two with my mom and we're going to bond and I'm going to walk away and have these tools and so on and so forth. I had no idea that that decision would change the rest of my life for seven years. <laughs> So I become a coach in, in Nexium for several years and I'm kind of spinning my wheels. I'm not really going anywhere. I'm feeling once again, kind of desperate. And this, this is going on for several years and I'm really, really trying. Like you said, I really want to see the good in this. I'm, I'm having realizations about myself. I'm learning things about other people. So there were some nuggets of good in there. And I'm also kind of getting familiar with a community of people who I think are really good. And a majority of them are good people. It was really the people that you didn't see who are running the show that were the rotten apples that, that really created this group to be a, a pro, a, how do I say, a tool of manipulation Yeah, for their own benefit at the expense of other people. Yep. And so I obviously didn't know that. And so I'm wholeheartedly giving myself to this, to this program and to this group and thinking that I'm going to, you know, benefit in the end cut to five years later. um, I'm approached by Alison Mack about a special women's group that is like ESP, but on steroids. And I remember the way that she described it was so alluring and so interesting and secretive. And um, she said that it was like special one-on-one training, but for women only, and that it was going to like kick your ass and push you to the next level. And I was like raising my hand, like, I I need that, I need that, (laughs) kick me in the ass. Like, I, like I was, I, I was, 
was so primed by that time to really, really be in a place of vulnerability and a place of susceptibility to that type of thing that it was really attractive to me. Like Mm -hmm. I I thought maybe this is the thing that's going to help me feel better in my life because I really wasn't feeling good and I was Mm -hmm. feeling lost. And so unbeknownst to me, this, this group that Allison Mack ends up recruiting me into is ultimately a trap and it is a master slave group that really is about imprisoning people not about female empowerment Mm -hmm. and that is something that I've had to come to terms with over many years since leaving Uh, obviously I I did also cooperate as a a witness with the FBI for nine months which really forced me to look at my life in a very linear way in Nexium and helped me put a lot of the pieces together that I had had big blank spots in my memory about and so I feel really grateful for that opportunity, but also it was very intense and really scary because you don't have any kind of like therapeutic um, facilitation when you're working with the FBI, you're just basically there to tell the truth and that's it. And so there were many nights where I would go home and just like stare at the ceiling and cry because I had just processed you know, things that I then didn't really know how to deal with. And I was alone and you're not allowed to talk to anybody when you're a witness. For, wow. for an investigation. And so it was kind of like being on a silo um, with your own insanity. And I, you know, I'm unraveling at this point and unraveling seven years of most of my twenties in you know, a matter of months. And so it, it was um, ultimately, you could say Nexium is a cult uh, with a cult leader who has now been prosecuted and is in prison for 120 years. So that to me is a huge victory. And that also is really affirming because it makes me realize that like what we went through and what we experienced is no joke. It is serious crimes that have affected hundreds of people, thousands of people, and that they, that this is not unique that there are many, many of these types of people and groups out there. Uh, This just happened to be um, a certain style, if you will, Uh, but that this exists and it really did open my eyes to a part of humanity that I don't think I ever would have understood if I hadn't Mm -hmm. experienced it. Yeah. Wow. I have the chills. And in the work I do as a sexual abuse attorney, I often say like, you can pick up, you know, one set of facts and, you know, or one scenario, a story like yours and plop it in different perpetrator, different, you know, circumstances, different grooming techniques, but it's, it's in a way so textbook, you know, when I listen to you talk, I'm going, you know, my two perpetrators, John Gettert, my coach and Larry Nasser, you know, John Gettert was charged with 24 counts of human trafficking and sexual abuse this past February and committed suicide on the way to his, his arraignment. But he was that cult leader. He was that God like, personality, that narcissist, you know, everyone around you just has him up on this pedestal and you see other people being like, he is God. And so then you start to believe that too. And, and in the work I do and what I want listeners to understand, whether it's in, you know, I have cases right now in the boys and girls club, in the, you know, churches, I have Jewish camp cases. I have boy scouts, right. Uh, different sporting events. I have, you know, cheerleading cases right now, whatever sort of the venue it's, it's the same sort of checklist in many ways of the patterns and the behaviors. So for you, it was Keith Ranieri and Allison Mack and Nexium, you know, and, and there is this list and I want to go over just in, in watching your docu-series, which I highly recommend for every person and every parent listening to this. It's critical that you watch this. It's four parts. 
and you will not be the same after you watch it. And India's bravery and vulnerability and having to revisit some of this stuff. You know, my plane touches down in the state of Michigan. I almost have a panic attack. I can't imagine going back to the actual physical locations of some not of the easy. Holy no, shit. No, no. Yeah, that was holy shit. shit. I did not expect uh, the whirlwind of emotions. Oh. And my body was the one that was really freaking out because I was, you know, trying to compartmentalize because yet, like you, like you said, I did executive produce this docuseries and I also was a subject. And so I had many hats and I was also processing it simultaneously at the same time. time, And so I often had to kind of like, okay, now's not the time to break down. Like we got to kind of continue here, but you know, at, at the end of the day, I would be just like, holy shit. Holy shit. Like, holy shit. And because you really are um, processing things through your body. Yeah. And in ways that you wouldn't expect. Yes. The body keeps the score. <laughs> yeah. It really, it really doesn't. It doesn't lie. And like, as soon as I got on the train to go from New York to, so from Penn Station to Albany, I started having acid reflux immediately. Yeah. Like, I couldn't, and I was like, what is happening? I didn't even eat, like, no red wine, no cheese, like, you know, yeah. none of the, the usual suspects. So I'm like, hmm, this is suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> Why I'm like immediately not well. Yeah. And I, and, and there were many instances of that. So I, I have, I think that the, I, I'm so proud of the docuseries. I, I, I feel like we did really, really try to be as vulnerable and as honest and as raw as possible so that there was no stone unturned and that anyone could watch and, and hopefully identify um, whether it was not them, whether it was them directly or somebody that they knew or a daughter or a niece or some, somebody that they loved somebody. That, that they could say, wow, I can now identify some of these red flags in order to protect the people that I love, including myself. Yeah, completely. And, and what you just said, like these red flags, um, are, are critical in the environment in which this can happen. What you said earlier, it can happen even within your own family, high control environments, your own family, your romantic relationships, your friendships, your, you know, really anywhere. And so, and so let me just list some of the things I pulled from watching seduced and, and sort of comparing them to what I've been through. So this godlike figure, right. We talked talked about that. Um, this, this desperation to, for approval. So in your environment, it was the stripes program. You want to advance to the next level, Mm -hmm. you know, in ours, it was, it was, you know, different, but, but there, we wanted to be loved by this person and we were only as good as our last routine and they could, you know, be good to you or discard you, you know, like the wind every day you went home for us and went to bed and your day was good or bad based on how this person thought of you. Right. And, and I think about Allison too, right. I mean, she had such a hold on on your psyche um, and your days could be made or broken. I'm guessing based on, based on her whims. Um, Yeah. I was not in control. No, my of my life or my environment. And like the only thing I had control over was the fact that I could still lie. And and like and that even that was terrifying because the thought of them finding out if I was lying about anything, whether it was eating more calories than I was supposed to or, you know, going to bed and telling somebody that I was staying awake or like ridiculous (laughs) things that are so anti-human rights Yes, that it's just like, it's wild for me to go back and think like, wow, I really, I really normalized that. Yeah. Um, well, you had to, to survive. I had to. I it was know. a survival and- mechanism, right? Oh, yeah. and, and in that sense, we have to thank our psyches in yeah. a way they were doing their jobs in a way, yeah. but it wasn't serving us. Um, yeah. 
So there was this, this idea of, you know, two, a fear-based environment, right? So too afraid to question, not able to, not allowed to think for ourselves and this skewed sense of reality. Abusers are really good at skewing reality and what's normal and what's acceptable to the point that you have lost, your feet are no longer on the ground and you really are believing in, you know, what's going on within that environment. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a big, red flag. Um, if you're talking to a girlfriend and she's talking about her relationship and she's saying things like, but you know, he hit me, but he loves me. It's this skewed sense of, but that's okay because right. Right. So you lose your grounding and your sense of right and wrong. And if you're a child, like you were, and I was, you really have no strong foundation to begin with. No. And those people are, are in positions of authority. So you're, you really don't stand a chance because you're not, you're not developed enough to be able to question and you're not safe enough to be able to question. And uh, everyone around you is not questioning either. So you think you're the crazy one. If those little red flag moments pop up, you go, well, something must be wrong with me because everybody else has bought into everybody else thinks this is okay. So I'm not going to upset the apple cart. Um, And normally if you're already thinking that way, that's being reinforced to you by the outside Yes, like that there is a problem and that actually probably the problem is you and that they are the only ones that can fix it. And that's yes. also a huge red flag. And that yes. was a big factor in Nexium. Right. And, and being broken down until you yeah. literally believe what they are saying. So believing that you're lazy, that you're fat, that you're weak, yeah. that you're stupid, that the problem is you. Yeah. And, and so, and, and you start to believe it about yourself. Yeah. Um, one thing you said in an interview somewhere was this relationship between your gut and your brain, gut and logic, um, literally t- being taught how to disconnect. It resonated with me so much disconnect from your intuition and belief systems. Um, and, and so you don't even have that system of checks and balances within yourself anymore at all, at all. <laughs> yeah. To the point oh. where like you're, you're, you feel like your body is actually betraying you. Yes. When really it's trying to tell you something and it's like desperately trying to communicate to you. But we were taught that any kind of body feeling was indulgent, was not logical, was, you know, infringing on your ability to actualize your potential. Like it was, so, it was taught to us that it was so negative that the idea of even associating with your body feelings was like grotesque, yep. almost, which is yep. so so such nonsense if you know anything about anything to do with emotions and just intuition and instinct it's like your superpower and they wanted to remove that from us so that we were more like robots yes it's it's so it's so like I feel just feel so connected to you like I think about my friends that, that are Olympic gymnasts and they they say I wish I never had gone to the Olympics I was turned into a robot I was used I was stripped of all wow. spirit and psyche and they just took my body and earned gold medals they earned gold medals because the adults financial compensation was directly related to metals. And so let's remove the person, utilize the body and win for ourselves. And, and it's so similar to, to what you're, what you're describing. So again, listeners, this can happen to anyone on different scales in different environments, different perpetrators, different set of facts, but the same core is sort of identifiers of this kind of cult-like brainwashing mm-hmm. experience. Is there grooming anything and, grooming and indoctrination? Grooming, indoctrination. It, 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 all of those things are not to be. They're not like sci-fi. <laughs> they're brainwashing. I, I, you can call it what it. I mean, you can call it brainwashing. You can call it indoctrination. You can call it uh, whatever you want. It's real. 
it exists it can happen the mind is very fragile our psyches are really fragile like you had mentioned and that they can be tampered with and if you're not programming yourself with you know positive and loving things about who you are as a person somebody else can get in there and do the opposite yep and that's why I feel like I'm not I'm not here to talk about these things to instill the fear of God into people and like make you terrified of the world but just to make you aware that it's possible to be hijacked do you want to let that happen or do you want to be aware of those that can do that so you can avoid and identify it that's what I wish I would have had prior to my experiences but I didn't yep but now I do and I do feel way more equipped to be able to identify that type of manipulation and I make mistakes all the time all the time like my learning curve as an adult I'm playing a lot of catch up here because I missed out on like quite a (laughs) pivotal amount of time in my 20s so I certainly screw up a lot but I do feel like I'm getting better at not making that same mistake falling into that same hole um because of what I know now yes and that is why I believe you are here is to share this message to ensure that other people have those tools. And there's something somebody told me a long time ago, and it didn't resonate at the time when I was in my shit storm. Um, but now that I'm sort of on the other side of it, you know, and, and again, it's a couple steps forward, trigger a couple steps back, and that's a lifelong lesson. Amen. Right? Amen. <laughs> it's like, that's it's like, like you never know. I will never sit here and say I am healed. I am all I'm over it. Right. And I think no. sometimes people look at us and say they look bright and shiny and they're moving on with their lives. They must be all better. And I always say, don't let that fool you because no, no it's a shit storm. Every when you don't hear from me for three days it's because yeah. I'm in my own shit and I just can't even text so it, like, right? you, you'll know and yeah. I, sometimes I'll let my closest friends know like hey like not in a good place right now or I'll reach out to my mom but no it is not perfect healing is so not linear and it really is that one step forward two steps back and you're like no not, not again me. what the fuck <laughs> The bounce back is faster though. I will say the bounce back gets faster and you can get back on track a lot quicker, but it's, it's, we're humans. We're humans. We're humans. So the thing that I heard that I want to share with you that has been my full circle moment, you, you sort of touched on it earlier when you said, you know, things are, are, you know, I believe that things are meant to, you know, happen how they're meant to, um, the quote I love, it was always meant to happen that way. If you believe that and you look back and you say, okay, that was really fucked up, but it was always meant to happen that way because here you are, you are still standing, you are living, you are engaged, you are moving forward, you are sharing your message, you are saving lives of people you will never meet, never know about. And that is huge. And you think about, you got into this because you were looking for purpose. You found some purpose, whether you believe that or not, you have such purpose and you are changing the world. And it was seven years, but you have 70 more to be able to do whatever it was that you were meant to be here to do. My healing came from giving meaning to my suffering and from taking, I always say, I'm so glad the first 40 years of my life were full of shit because the rest (laughs) of my life is the good part. The rest of my life is living out my purpose, walking people through similar things and helping them and believing in them to get to the other side. And that is what you, my dear are doing, whether you know it or not. Thank you. (laughs) That is so beautiful. And that is something that I really do believe. And I, I feel so lucky and so, so grateful that I have my family and that I was able to be received and in a way that could facilitate my healing and, and, and I do feel 
purpose in my life like I never have and I feel more of me than ever since maybe since I was like a little kid and so that's just invaluable and it is it is something that I'm very grateful for in a roundabout so, way I am so <laughs> so proud of you I'm so proud of you I'm so proud to get to know you um, in person. I felt like I knew you before, but now uh, this has been such an honor and I hope it's the beginning of, of, a, of a support system and a friendship between us and taking on the world together. I know you care deeply about something I also care deeply about, which is changing laws to yes. protect against this stuff. I'm yes. working on statutes of limitations stuff. Great. You're working on, you know, protecting against this coercive control. Laws are yep. fucking shitty in this area. They're terrible. And they, and, to, actually, and they need to change, right? I think that this is the beginning of a great, great long friendship that we had no idea we could have had as well. Absolutely. Let's and, take and on probably the vice versa. Totally. So totally. Yes. The statute stuff in terms of child sexual abuse is something I've worked really, really hard on going state to state, banging down doors. I always say I knew, I didn't even really know what, what lobbying was until I found myself in this situation. And people say to me now, Sarah, I want to lobby for this. How did you do it? How did you change this law? And I say, it's the power of a story and yeah. believing you can make change. And yep. that goes a long way. You don't have to know anything about politics, about this, about that. It's the power of a story can change the world. And Absolutely. that is what we will do together. I have a partner. Yeah, I know we need as many, like, if anyone's listening out there and feels as, as passionate as we do, find us. We need as many teammates as possible. This is, yeah. a, this is quite a big mission. Yes. But the more people that their hearts are invested in it, the easier it will be. And uh, so I just feel like we, we just need to find one another. Yep. Amen. And that's what we did today. Yes. I adore you. you so You're much. amazing. I'm going to leave you with one quote that yes. I heard um, from another, the other documentary that your mom was a part of called The Vow. And I wrote it down. I was watching it again last night in preparation for today. But somebody on that show said, I'm just grateful that I know the feeling of giving my power away so that I can experience what it's like to take it back again. And yeah. that that is what you, my dear, have done. Thank you for your time today. I adore you. I can't wait to get together and, and continue this. Thank ah, you, Sarah. So how can our, how can our listeners find you? How can they follow um, you? Well, I'm not a huge social media fan, so you can find me on Instagram exclusively because that's all I'll use. Perfect. And it's under India Oxenberg and you can find me on Stars, uh, on Seduced, or you can find me on Audible exclusively with Still Learning. I love it. I recommend both of those and I adore you until we meet again. My yes, until friend. again. Until we meet again. Day. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you so much. Bye. Thank you for listening to Bar Fights with attorney Sarah Klein, taking on issues that matter. Please check out our website at barfightspodcast.com, Instagram at barfightspodcast, or Twitter at barfights underscore pod for the latest show updates and archives.